Okay, welcome to the Family Wealth Podcast, the Inception Family Wealth Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Delaney, and I'm the author of The Naked Opus, Growing Your Family Wealth for the Long Term, and I'm the host of uh, the Inception Family Wealth Podcast. I'm very delighted this week uh, to have with us uh, Jenna Carvello. Jenna, welcome to the, uh, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, it's a delight to have you here. We, uh, uh, we connected, I think, over LinkedIn, and, and uh, I saw that you were doing some really interesting work and some with your business, which I'm going to get you to tell us a little bit about. But I really um, uh, was impressed by some of the work you were doing on other podcasts, and I'm delighted that you're here today to share some of, uh, some of your wisdom, which we'll, we'll get into. Um, before we do that, could you just tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and uh, what kind of work it is that you do and, and, and how, how you got into this space? Of course. Well, thank you. Um, so I, uh, of course, as you mentioned, my name is Jenna and I had been acting as a professional executor and trustee for over 10 years with a national trust company. Uh, and through that time, I really got to experience firsthand what it was like to be an executor, but also work with the families that were going through loss and having to deal with the burden of the administration. Um, so I really felt like there was room in the market to first educate uh, families about different options available to them when they go through such a loss, um, and also help navigate the different solutions available to, uh, to clients. Um, so I started Guardian Estate Company in September of 2021, and we do two things. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> a rough um, time to start a business, but good on you. <laughs> well, it's been fun, I have to I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we do two things. One, we provide independent estate planning to clients of uh, firms that don't have access to estate planners on staff. But then we also provide estate brokerage services, which is essentially connecting uh, individuals with professional executors and trustees um, that best suit their situations, sort of like a mortgage broker, but for estate solutions. Um, there's currently uh, no other service in the Canadian market like this. And, uh, and we're finding that clients are getting you know, lots of benefit from uh, having a third party navigate the different options for them. So that latter uh, of the two services, that's really interesting. Um, you're not actually providing the executor services themselves. You're helping people who, who require those services find the right people based on a profile, I gather, that you've put together of, uh, uh, of their uh, needs and, and their situation. Absolutely. Um, so I would meet with the client, get to know their circumstances, get to know their family, their asset profile. And then I'd reach out to several professional fiduciaries on a no-name basis to get quotes and service proposals, uh, you know, if, if they're willing to act in this estate or trust. Um, and what we're finding is clients are saving money because we're comparing the different options. Um, but trust companies and other fiduciaries are also uh, focusing on providing a quote very specific to the situation at hand rather than, you know, the standard fee agreement, which has been an added benefit to the client. Yeah. And that often uh, frightens people away because they, um, you know, sometimes that number can be significant, but they don't, they don't really have a context in which to compare or, or, or even assess whether that adds value. I mean, there's, there's the price of something and then there's the value of something as well. And, and I would imagine the service you're providing is to help your customers see 
where the value is as well. Absolutely. And, and because I was a professional executor, I know firsthand, you know, the steps that are required, how much work is involved um, and being able to share that with the families has been a tremendous help in, in having them understand the complexities of an estate administration. Where in the planning process, Jenna, should um, a client think about reaching out to you for, for, the, for that, that specific service? After they talk to their lawyer, before they talk to their lawyer, is this something that uh, doesn't matter, or uh, preferably before the will is done? I would. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely before the will is done. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I I work with families and clients in, in different scenarios. So sometimes their lawyer would refer uh, the client to me when the client's trying to decide on an executor, um, and the lawyer would get me involved. Um, okay. Other times I'm, I'm contacted by the client because they don't know who to appoint as an executor, and they're interested in exploring some options in terms of a, of a professional. Um, so, you know, anytime during the course of, of the planning stage, uh, I'm happy to be involved. Um, but then also, you know, after somebody loses somebody they love, and perhaps they're acting as an executor or trustee, um, and, you know, if it's too much for them or they want to step down and have somebody else appointed, I can help find a solution to take over as well. Even if the estate is relatively complex or if there is disputes or if there's litigation, um, there's, there's, I would say 99% of the time I'll be able to find a solution for the client. Well, and that's, that's important to highlight because, you know, it's, and many people who listen to this podcast are, are um, uh, senior advisors, you know, and, and, and know the difference of the two services that you just described. But for those that aren't, there, there's, you know, you can appoint an executor, uh, a professional executor, for example, as part of your planning process. But you might also have been appointed the executor. And as you highlighted, it's, it's going to prove to be a bigger burden for you than you, you wanted. And you can kind of get help, you can get someone to assist you with that. Those are the two different kinds of services you're helping people source out at the, at the appropriate time, right? Yes, yes. And, and I find the latter often comes with a lot of emotion and, and a lot of stress. And so if I can, you know, provide a, a lifeline during that time, it's, it's certainly a value to the families that we work with. And I would imagine, um, you know, brokerage services, I, I, I've never owned a brokerage service, uh, but, <laughs> but one of the, the reasons brokerage services exist is because there's um, differences in, in pricing, in capabilities, risk tolerance, things like that. And so there are nuances between different service providers. Is that, is that a fair statement? There, there's actually, you're not just going into a, a market that, where everyone is exactly the same. Every service provider is exactly the same. They're quite different. They are quite different. You're, you're completely right about that. Um, just in terms of the trust companies available, there's over 16 in Canada alone. And, um, you know, those trust companies, some only practice in certain provinces, some only handle assets in certain jurisdictions. Uh, some are, you know, better equipped at taking on riskier files, so to speak. Um, you know, they, they are comfortable with the level of risk they'll take on. Uh, some have a little more bench strength in terms of real estate assets that they could deal with or uh, family dynamics that they have to navigate. Uh, you know, even, even as, as uh, common as a beneficiary that has special needs, um, th those types of trusts 
uh, certain trust companies are much better equipped at handling those better reporting standards uh, and just are able to, you know, navigate the complexities associated with, with those types of trust. So you're, you're completely right. There's so many differences and that's yeah. part of my job in helping choose an option for the client. Um, I have relationships with all the trust companies and other fiduciaries uh, in the market. And so I can help share with the client the differences between them other than the cost. And, and, and so that choice really brings us to the topic uh, that we're dealing with this week. You know, um, uh, many people don't realize that they have that ability to choose a, a fiduciary a professional option. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, I guess that can arise in situations that option might arise where you don't have somebody suitable in your family network to, or friend network or even your, your professional advisory network that, that uh, can handle that. What kinds of situations um, make for a, or, or skills or attributes make for a good personal representative. So as people are trying to decide between these various options they have, um, what kinds of yardsticks and measuring tools should they be using? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a good rule of thumb is to consider who you trust with your money while you're alive. Um, so you'd want somebody who's organized, who is responsible, who can make sound business decisions with a lot of different variables, uh, who will be objective, uh, even if they are you know, going to inherit your wealth one day, um, but also somebody who will get along with the other people that they'd have to deal with, other family members. Um, you know, If you're pointing someone who doesn't get along with the, the other beneficiaries, it could turn into a very difficult estate administration. Um, so someone with those factors would be a very good fit, but also you'd want to consider their age, uh, ideally someone younger than you, so that you know that, you know, the chances of them being around when you pass away are high, uh, and also someone local. Um, if you have a, an out of province or an out of country executor, it does cause uh, tax and, and insurance issues. Uh, so having someone local is, is definitely more beneficial than, than not. And I've found over the years, uh, uh, it's always been a bit of a point of frustration uh, for me that there's often an overemphasis on the financial skills uh, that, that a particular advisor, uh, sorry, a trustee might need to have. And that's the reason the person makes the choice. But you've identified things like family dynamics, being able to get along. I think that sometimes is the most important thing because that, that mm -hmm. trustee beneficiary uh, interaction is a relationship and it could last for a long time. Yeah, it, you're, you're completely right because the average estate takes, you know, 18 to 24 months in Canada and, and that's just an average one. If you add additional complexities, maybe there's holding companies to be, to be managed, um, then the estate administration period will be much longer. Um, but, you know, a professional fiduciary is really in place to ensure that the family can still have Thanksgiving dinner after mom and dad are gone, um, because they're the ones that are making the tough decisions. They're the ones that are taking on the brunt of, you know, not necessarily blame, but the, the criticism of, uh, of acting um, in accordance with the will. Um, and some decisions aren't going to be, you know, favorable between everyone. Uh, tough decisions have to be made and to not have a family member do it is, is a, a certain benefit to a lot of families. Um, will professional fiduciaries, so let's say, you know, you, you 
got someone who's um, maybe got uh, uh, two children and one's in the United States, for example, and one's here. We're, we're in Ontario, so we'll say one is here in Ontario, Canada anyways. And and um, they're thinking of uh, appointing the child who's here in Canada as their state trustee, and that makes some sense. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they also are thinking of professional uh, a professional uh, trustee, a fiduciary uh, being involved in that. Will, will they work with a family member? Will they take a co-appointment and, and work with a family member? Yes, they will. And, and that's a great solution for many individuals. Um, so they'll act in a co-executor capacity, uh, which essentially, you know, provides that the burden of the administration still falls on the trust company or the professional fiduciary. But the family member can still have a say in all the discretionary decisions, you know, how much to sell a property for, when and how much a distribution will be, certain tax elections to be made. So all those major milestones, the family still has say and input, which is, uh, you know, it, it can provide some peace of mind for, for the testators writing their wills. Well, it's nice to have that human interaction. Not that yes. Trust, yes. trust companies are populated by humans. Obviously, you were there. <laughs> uh, I worked for a trust company too, and and so they're humans. Uh, but but having that family connection is is yeah. a nice. Uh, it, it doesn't seem as mysterious or as imposing as as having the the trust company uh, somewhat monolithically sitting there between the beneficiaries and their wealth. So so people should think about that. It, what kinds of things? You know, are there situations, and, and, and I, I may be putting you on the spot here, but just general situations where maybe even where you've seen it, where that kind of co-trustee. Uh, uh, so a great example of having a co-executor act with a family. Um, there was one client that comes to mind. Uh, this client lost capacity and, and the trust company was appointed as co-attorney with a family member. The family member had indicated that the, their, their parent lost capacity and, uh, and contacted the trust company. And the trust company together with a family member did a review of the financial affairs that the, the parent had and realized there was a significant US holding um, that the parent had. And unfortunately the parent only had, you know, a couple of weeks left in their life and so the trust company with the, the family member made a decision to sell uh, the U.S. holdings, which settled shortly before the parent passed away and um, realized a fee savings or U.S. tax savings of a couple million dollars. Um, so, you know, if you didn't have that trust company acting with with a family member, the family member might not have been aware of that option um, or might not have gotten the required professionals in place. Uh, as quickly as they needed to be to make that decision before the client passed away. So I think that's a, just a fantastic example of, of the benefits of having that professional right as soon as you need them. Um, and, and then also, you know, the, the decisions that were made through the course of the administration certainly helped um, the family stay on the same side of the table. And, and as I mentioned, still get along and, and, uh, and have peace of mind at the end of the day. That's critically important. I mean, it, it's a job, but it's also a relationship. Like it's it's a unique thing. If you had to sit down and put together a, a you know, if you were hiring for this role and you had to sit down and put together, I want this skill set, this capacity. I mean, it, it would be one of the more thankless jobs um, uh, anyone would ever uh, ever want. What are some of the things as a trustee that? Uh, uh, are risks that, you know, if, if someone here is listening and saying, well, I, I still think my kids are, 
or you know, my, my, my spouse or, or some other family member can handle this on their own. What are some of the risks they're looking at if, if mistakes get made or things like you just mentioned get omitted, overlooked mm. quite, quite accidentally? Right. Um, well, I, I put the risks in two different buckets. One is financial risk. Uh, an executor is personally liable or can be held personally liable for any mistakes made in the administration, even if they're completely honest and innocent mistakes. Um, so some common mistakes might be, you know, not changing the asset mix um, when they start getting involved and perhaps the, the, the markets crash and the stocks go down. Um, that, that loss in value could you know, could require the executor to reimburse the estate for that amount. Um, inadequate insurance on real property. If, if nobody's living in the property and somebody has passed away and it's vacant, the insurance company needs to know within a certain period of time to add an additional vacancy permit. Uh, sometimes without that vacancy permit, there wouldn't be insurance. And so if something did happen, the executor could be liable for that. Um, and then also from a tax perspective, misfiled tax returns, elections that weren't taken advantage of, uh, those could be significant costs to the estate and, uh, and then beneficiaries can look to the executor to reimburse. Um, but then the other side, so there's financial risk, but then there's also the, the family dynamic risk. risk. Uh, when you're navigating such a stressful situation, the family relationships could dissolve and, and change. Um, so there's that risk of, of taking on that role and, and making those difficult decisions that many people might not enjoy. Well, and, and if something does go wrong, you know, it, it, it might be a, the beneficiary might be suing their Uncle Billy or their Aunt yeah. Matthew or something, you know, and that's, that's a whole other dimension of not nice uh, uh, that, that has to be thought about in those, uh, thought about in those circumstances. Um, I've often thought too that having, siblings, for example, as trustees of trusts, uh, mm -hmm. uh, testamentary trusts, for example, or, or even having a broad discretion in the estate as to the distribution of certain assets, having them as a gatekeeper on those kinds of decisions, I mean, that sends a message. It, 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 it says to anyone who wasn't the trustee or potentially could, if there hadn't been conversations about it in advance, this, this person I trust to make the right decision. And, and that may be Ne very negative, very toxic, as you mentioned on the on the survivors' dynamics as well. Absolutely, if you know, if, if siblings don't get along while mom and dad are alive, uh, they're sure, you know, as hell as you put it, will not get along. So, so there must be some circumstances, though, yeah. like. Uh, uh, so someone's listening down there going, oh, I really want to have my family. What, what are some situations where it's entirely appropriate to have a yeah. family member? And, and, you know, obviously you have a professional uh, uh, interest in making referrals to, to, to professional uh, trustees, but there's going to be some circumstances where maybe that's just not the right fit. What would that kind of look like? Yeah. Um, so I would say first and foremost, if you have somebody in the family that has the qualities, as I mentioned before, um, that they are the right age and that they are going to be in the right location, I would say, you know, that could be a potentially perfect fit. Um, you can always have a trust company or other fiduciary named as an alternate if that primary um, family member can't act. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the other thing to consider is if you have somebody willing to act, that's the other thing and, and has the time, um, because the average estate, as I mentioned, does take, you know, around two years. And so if you have somebody willing, 
to do it during that period of time, but also with the skills, then, then talk to them. That's one of the, the main things. Talk to them, see what their appetite is. Uh, if they're more than willing to act and they have the right knowledge, then, uh, then they're probably a good choice. And you raise a really good point there. Communication in advance is critically important because, because executors appointed through a will, you know, somebody does their will 10 years ago, they appoint their, their one of their children as the, as the uh, executor. And then 10 years go by and, and the person passes away. That person that's been appointed, I mean, they might be going through a terrible divorce. They might be very, very ill. They don't have to accept that appointment, even if they committed to it 10 years ago. They can, they can yeah. say, no, I'm not going to do this. Uh, and, and um, you know, you need, to, I, you need to have a backup plan for that. Yeah. yeah. It's very easy to step out of an estate administration before you've done any acting. Um, so, that, you know, immediately after somebody passes away, it's, it's typically just a one-page document that you can sign, uh, removing yourself from acting. Uh, but once you start getting involved, it's, it's much more of a challenge. You, you typically have to go to court to resign. So the decision to act should be made immediately. Um, and, and, you know, you can take a look at the, the factors of the estate. Is it complex? Uh, complex estate probably does need, you know, professionals involved. Um, and, you know, how are the family dynamics, of course, as we mentioned. If they're, if they're complex, then, then maybe you don't even want to get involved. And so, uh, you know, that, that sort of begs the, the next question. You've identified, you know, where uh, a family member is an appropriate choice. Where are they not an appropriate choice? What, what kind of complexity, mm-hmm. you know, and I realize there's going to be a lot of different kinds of complexity, but, yeah. but uh, what would be sort of the top one or two that you've seen uh, where on an outcome in terms of success in the estate, people came away happy, as happy as they can be, and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and it worked. What kinds of complexities are best suited for a, a, a professional appointment? Mm-hmm. So I'd say anything, you know, over and above, a, you know, a simple house and a few investment accounts, you want to start looking at a professional um, for a possible option. So uh, like a but family business or something like that, even? Absolutely. Family yeah. business, even a holding company. Um, there's certain, you know, tax planning strategies that need to be implemented that a professional trustee would, would know about. Um, if you have assets in other jurisdictions, that's another clue to hire a professional. Beneficiaries in other just jurisdictions possibly require greater reporting standards and more administration. So that's another um, cue to, to get a professional involved. Uh, and then, you know, even complex family dynamics. So apart from, from the relationship side, but perhaps you have second marriages and spouses or children from, from a different relationship. Um, navigating those types of dynamics, uh, you know, trust companies and other professionals are used to. So having a professional in place is, is probably something you want to look at in those scenarios as well. And, and so let's say our listeners are going, okay, all right. I, I, I like, I like what I'm hearing here. Um, how can your company, how does, how does mm-hmm. uh, guardian estate company help our listeners? Um, deal with some of these issues Mm -hmm. how does that feel for them what do do they need to do yeah so i would say first step is just pick up the phone and call we can have a conversation to determine if a professional executor is right for them Um, if it's not then at least they get some education along the way and and different options but if it is uh, then we'll go through collecting their personal details 
Um, and you know, the benefit is they only need to share it with one person uh, rather than various trust companies. Um, so after they share it with us, we'll provide a, a sample, uh, you know, summary to the trust companies on a no-name basis and okay. get quotes um, from, from those trust companies. And then we'll provide the client with the top three options for consideration um, based on the factors that are important to them, which could include cost, could include location of administration, could include experience, uh, longevity, any, any sort of factors that are important. Um, and once they've decided on a trust company or a professional, then we will provide their lawyer with the required clauses to insert into their documents, as well as the compensation agreements to be signed. Um, so we're really with them from beginning to end until that appointment is in place and we'll ensure that the necessary information is provided to the trust company so that they have a, a full file um, and know, you know, the particulars that they would need to know in, or, in order to administer an estate if, if the client did pass away. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's about a three week process from beginning to end, but uh, okay. it's well, well worth process. And you mentioned that the other corridor of services that you provide is uh, some independent estate planning uh, services. Can, can you just tell us a little bit about that, uh, if clients are interested in that? Sure. Um, so typically, if a client, you know, doesn't have any experience with estate planning, or they're working with a financial advisor, and, and they want to, you know, talk through some issues or some discussions, uh, or decisions with respect to their estate plan, they would, they would contact me and and we can have a preliminary discussion about, you know, who's an appropriate executor, whether they want to set up trusts for their children, what types of clauses might allow for an effective administration and, and cause the least amount of conflict in the family as necessary. So, you know, lots of uh, preliminary discussions can be had. Um, and then from there, I'd create a summary and, and they can take it to their lawyer to help the lawyer draft the documents just sort of narrows down their decisions before they meet with a lawyer and, and some clients, uh, you know, benefit from, from those types of discussions. Sure. So this is a pre-planning conversation, if you will, yeah. I mean, before documents get executed and, uh, and, and, and I think that's a great idea. It's a great way for uh, individuals. I mean, nobody likes to think about these topics and, it, and, yeah. and, and it, it's a hard thing to think about. And 50% um, of adult Canadians don't have a will. Mm -hmm. And so anything that helps move them around, over, or under the blockages so that they can not be part of that 50% that doesn't have a will is, is a great uh, service. And sometimes it's, it's services like your own where you're, you're holding their hand and, and yeah. taking them through some of those uh, reasons why they might stop. And, and procrastinate, for example. Uh, I'm sure you've seen lots of them, uh, you know, lots of reasons uh, why people do that. Jenna, um, what's the best way for listeners to, I mean, I'll, uh, on the podcast, a uh, 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 promo sheet that appears in, uh, uh, on Apple uh, Podcasts and, and the other uh, providers, the other platforms, I'll put your contact information, but for listeners, um, is it best to get connected uh, to you through your website that your preference yes yes my website has all the information there uh, guardianestate.ca okay. and uh, there's a few blog posts that could be helpful for your listeners too just some general information on on estate planning and administration and hopefully it'll pique their interest in getting their estate plans in order well i'm sure that it will and and 
Jenna, thank you so much for sharing your 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 wisdom and and your uh, time here today. I know that our listeners will uh, benefit from that. Choosing an estate trustee is, I think, um, if not the most important decision someone makes in their will, and there are many decisions they have to make. It is in the top three for sure, and it's often uh, an overlooked. Uh, uh, decision. It's one that's dealt with uh, in some haste and sometimes with emotions that, that are, are uh, non-helpful. So services like your own are very, very uh, uh, helpful to, to, to people to help them see the right choices. Thank you for sharing your time today with us. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure being here. All right. That's it for this week on Inception Family Wealth Podcast. And join us next week. Mm-hmm.